When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up? What's shaking, everybody? It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's staying warm here in the late fall days. It's uh, Winter is upon us. It's the holidays are upon us. This is actually going to be the last rock discussion that we do for the year. During the holidays, we'll be doing the 12 days of Christmas, where we touch on different topics for 12 days outside of the current music discussions that we're doing about the current state of rock music. Today's guest writes for the Birmingham News, along with Rolling Stone, Billboard, LA Weekly, and Paste. His name is Matt Wake. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm good, Jay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. I've been a fan of you for at least a year, a little over a year. I, I first discovered you in October of last year with an article that you wrote about other bands to know besides Greta Van Fleet. And at the time, oh. you know, I've been listening to Greta uh, for a while prior to that. I've been to a, a couple of their shows or one of their shows. I went to a couple of shows shortly thereafter. But I went to, you know, I, I went down your list of who you were suggesting. And outside of the struts, I had not heard of any of them. So I started to listen to no. Joyous Wolf. I started to listen to Dirty Honey, Tyler Bryant, Dorothy, Bishop Gunn. All these bands that you mentioned, and there's others in there, were absolutely phenomenal. And I thank you for that because it really was a gateway to me appreciating what's out there new and what these bands are doing and what other bands are doing as well, besides Greta Van Fleet. So my first question cool, to man. Yeah. So my first question to you is, you know, how do you go about discovering these bands and in 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 a you know writing about them and, and knowing about them? Uh, one way is, you know, if one of my friends that uh, either works in the music business or a fellow journalist, uh, will, I'll sometimes learn about new bands that way. Or sometimes, you know, you'll see uh, a band that's opening up for another band that you like that you haven't heard of the support act, so you check them out. And sometimes it's your thing, and sometimes it's not. Maybe a more mainstream way of doing it would be like uh, on the um, Spotify. You know, fans also like clicking on that tab. And, you know, again, you know, Jay, sometimes it's stuff I'm into, and sometimes uh, it, I, I've picked up a couple of new things. And I, I guess the cool thing I'm starting to see with all these younger rock bands come up is uh, this, to me, the songwriting and the production is getting a little better. Uh, and I think that's when that gets back to the level it was in the nineties, eighties, seventies, and sixties. I think you'll see rock get bigger again and less of a niche kind of thing. Cause what people connect to songs, man. And, but if the music music's powerful too, and the band looks cool, has a good vibe, 
you know, I, I, that, if you put that out again, people will dig it. it. Just for a long time, we had a surplus of that. And then, you know, now I think the most talented people for uh, a while have gone into other genres or maybe into tech, like uh, into technology startups. But uh, there's, there's, there's some new uh, song-oriented rockers coming up, and that's what we need. Before we really dive into it, though, and we always ask the same question to first-time guests, and that is really the essence of the show. Just like every yeah. rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock band has a moment <laughs> that, whether it's yeah. a song, a yeah. band, a performance, or an album that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, two things. Uh, the first band I ever obsessed over was Motley Crue. Uh, I didn't have an older sibling, so my gateway to rock music was what was on MTV and what was on the radio at the time. Uh, and I, I liked, I thought Nikki Six wrote really stylish lyrics back then. Um, I thought, you know, uh, the guitar riffs were cool. I thought Vince had the perfect voice for that music. Um, but the band that made me love, uh, love rock and roll was I was one of those kids who saw the, when MTV finally aired the Welcome to the Jungle video at like four in the morning or whatever it was. And, uh, it just had more oomph, more, uh, more uh, real hair and fang to it. And um, I was curious because they were opening for Motley at the time. And so I bought the tape and it was, you know, I'd play it for people, my friends, and they'd be, they, they liked Welcome to the Jungle, but a lot of other things like it's so easy. They're like, is that a different singer? I was like, no, it's the same guy. Uh, so Guns N' Roses, man. How about you? Mine was, well, my introduction to music was from my grandfather, who was a piano player back in the days of the speakeasies. Oh. He had a baby grand in his basement. So my first you know, connection to music was with the piano, but my first connection to rock was when my brother brought home Journey Escape and put the I... needle down on the record, and I heard the piano for Don't Stop Believing, and I immediately made that connection with what I had heard before. Oh. And then I heard Steve Perry singing, heard Neil Sean come in with the, you know, with the guitar. And I was like, wow, this is great. And the, and the album really resonated with me, too. After that, it was Van Halen with, you know, mm. the, the, the U.S. Festival or hearing Running with the Devil for the first time and Eruption for the first time. Um, but, yeah, that whole era of music, you know, through the Motley Cruise, through the Guns N' Roses, all that kiss was a big impact when I was uh, – when I was younger, my the first album I ever bought with my own money was Kiss Lick It Up. Nice. Most people don't remember, though, that Welcome to the Jungle world premiere on Headbangers Ball, because I saw it, too, is it was dead on arrival when it first came out. They had to re-release that like seven, eight months later. And when they re-released it, that's when it really broke. But when it first came out, there was only, there was only very a handful of fans, I shouldn't say a handful, but a small percentage of fans that really res it resonated with, it connected with. Because after that, you didn't hear it at all on radio or on MTV. And it wasn't until months later when they said, you know what, let's re-release this. Maybe it's a better time for it. And then that's when they broke and got huge. You know, it's so weird because it did take guns a long time to, to break Jay. And today, uh, whether it's music or movies or books or whatever, it's all about the first week of sales because uh, that's why people are so big about pre-order, pre-order, pre-buy um, because they want to drive up uh, that first week sales because they fall off exponentially after that. And for a band that got as big as GNR got and they still are, uh, I mean, it's just amazing. The even though there was hype for them before Appetite came up, like it took, like you're saying, a while to catch on. It's it's hard to imagine that happening now. But I think maybe we are seeing that with, you know, some of these rock bands who are young and uh, kind of slogging it out and working their way up. Man, I agree. I think there's, I yeah, I, I I think it's just under the surface right now. Uh, because there's so many great new artists and bands that are, are coming up and they're making really great music. 
But you mentioned something in your in your story about your gateway to rock music, and that was MTV yeah. radio. And when yeah. all that when that whole scene was going on, there was an infrastructure, yeah. there was an outlet for new rock music, right? You know, yeah. MTV, oh, yeah. MTV would put the video out, and instead of radio really leading, radio, especially in the rock genre, kind of followed MTV. You know, because they had Very much. they had the request show, and it was all hard rock songs, probably eighty percent of the time. You know, uh, you know they had Headbangers Ball. They had the show at three o'clock or three thirty on weekday afternoon. It was like the Hard Sixty or something like that. All these songs were in rotation on MTV. Radio started to pick up on the Def Leppards, the Bon Jovi's, the Motley Crue's, the Rats, and so on. And it was. I don't want to say a simple process, but it was a lot easier for a new rock band coming up like a Guns N' Roses or like a Warrant that could find an outlet for their music. Unfortunately, there's a lot of outlets for you to hear new rock music, but there's no definitive infrastructure where it's the place to go to hear new rock on a weekly basis, what's coming out, what's new. And I love all these new bands, whether it's Tyler Bryant, whether it's Dorothy, Joyous Wolf. I mention them a lot on the show, but it just doesn't seem there. There's the the I don't want to say disconnect. Maybe that is the right word from the new great music that's coming out to the people that want to absorb it, because a lot of people don't know where to go. And, you know, I think almost there's too much outlets for new music right now. Yeah, and the, like you were saying, kind of this lack of a monoculture like we used to have uh, back in kind of that MTV era of rock and stuff. Um, and then, you know, the radio would follow MTV, like you were saying, uh, Jay. But um, I think that's something we missed because I think it's just so fragmented now in the, all the different ways that uh, people uh, get hip to new music. I, I think that particularly rock uh, and right now, rock has, for a little bit, has been on the inside looking out of, you know, the 1%, the mega stars. You know, they're mostly pop and uh, rap things right now. But um, I think uh, so that's so the more monoculture ish things we have left are going to c- cover these things that, uh, you know, get a lot of clicks. It's business. But um, uh, I, I think, you know, uh, the, the whole thing is, um, yeah, I, I think it's close to a tipping point in a couple of big breaks. Even weird shit like, you know, uh, yeah, like the Black Crows coming back next year. Um, I mean, that's a band that's, in, and I know it's just Chris and Rich with some new guys, but like, that's a band that if it came out now, people would, and the Crows were a big deal for a while, but uh, I, I we were so spoiled. There were so many good rock bands who had at least two to five good songs from like 1967 to like maybe 1994. I mean, it, it, it boggles the mind, but for some reason that really dropped off. Uh, and I think in the production just was more natural sounding then, or just, not so compressed or, uh, kind of, I think it feels like something's around the corner, but without big, good songs, you know, I mean, Guns N' Roses didn't just blow up because, you know, Axl Rose was hot and Slash looked cool. Like they had really good songs. And I think that's the misconception of bands from the eighties, right? I think a lot of people go with the fact that they look good and that's why people listen to them. And I always say, it doesn't matter what you look like, because there were a lot of bands that looked good in that era that didn't do anything because they didn't have the good songs. There were some that had good songs, and you know the record label they were on didn't know how to promote them. And of, and of course, that always happens. That happens yeah. in every genre. But you know the, the, the big dogs that were a lot around during that decade and, and, and a little bit after and a little bit before – they became popular because they had songs that connected with people. Now, you know, you could not like those songs. You could not be a fan of that music or that band, but you still can't say, oh, 
they were horrible. They were maybe you don't like them. I mean, like like for instance, Bon Jovi gets a lot of pushback, right? All of a sudden, there's all yeah. these people that don't like Bon Jovi, right? But in the '80s and in the early '90s, you couldn't find anyone that didn't like Bon Jovi, except for maybe you know a small handful of people. And now it became kind of popular for you not to like them or find them not cool. The bottom line is they wrote some of the best songs from that era. And the reason why they're still huge to this day, probably the biggest band from that era of music, is because of their songs. Is Oh, yeah. You know, they, they had songs that will fill stadiums. And it's funny because I remember, like, even, like, the hardcore metalheads at my high school, like Bon Jovi, uh, even right after Slippery When Wet came out. But then when it just blew up, and people just have that tendency. <clears throat> Once it's like, when it's your thing, but when it's also like maybe a thing, a group of people you're not really, you don't really vibe with or embracing, you kind of, like you're saying, pushback or uh, backlash or whatever. I mean, I, I, we've seen so many bands go through that. But yeah, man, bon, hell yeah, bon, bon Jovi has great songs. Yeah. I, and I just don't understand why all of a sudden it's like cool to not like Bon Jovi. But moving on to you know the 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 topic that we want to discuss, which is new rock music. Um, you know your yeah. your list last February really had some some great artists and bands that I have not stopped listening to since I read that article. Uh, I've had you know Nick Reese on from Joyous Wolf and our new music spotlight. I've had Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey on our new music spotlight. It's just been incredible, the new music that's been coming out over the last year to year and a half. Like you said, I think it's just under the surface. I think it's right around the corner. I've seen some of these bands live. I've seen Dorothy. I've seen The Struts. I've seen Tyler Bryant. All phenomenal acts. All um, just on top of their game and ready to explode. And, 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 and the thing that I always look at whenever I'm seeing one of these bands live is, and I hate when I do it, I say, if this music was around 20 years ago, they'd be huge. They'd be gigantic. Yeah. You know, and, and I catch myself doing that, and I hate that I do it, but it's, but it's, it's kind of that unfortunate truth. You know, yeah, and then timing is, a, uh, you know, a son of a gun, you know. Uh, that's in art, in business, in life, uh, it's a big deal. I think that, um, and as they're winning people over live, I think a big part of that is you're, you see what people connect with. And I think that'll help the songwriting a little bit. Like, you know, I like the stress for me, like I've really liked a couple of their songs. And I, I would, I really want to see them live because they're really good, right? That's what I hear. They're phenomenal. Okay. What I don't like that they're doing, and I don't know if it's whoever makes the decisions in the band or if it's the band's management, but like doing a redo of their song with Kesha, doing it seems like they have some really where they've overtly tried to wedge themselves into pop music. And just rock the hell out, man. You got a singer who's like Freddie Mercury. Everybody says how good your band is live. Play some kick-ass rock and roll, man. Don't worry about, and write good songs, but don't worry about trying to gimmick your way into, you know, the pop stuff. That would be my only, because I think they have as much talent as anybody, because that singer is obviously amazing. And like you were saying, everything I hear is how good they are alive. So and it's got to be tempting, man. I mean, it's got to be tempting when you see this could be a shorter path to, you know, having a nice house, you know? I understand why they did it, because I think a lot of acts, and especially the people that are, you know, that surround them, their management, their publicists, they're grasping at straws. They're trying to make some headway with an audience. And, yeah. you know, they did that song with Kesha. They did the Victoria's Secret show where they played while the miles are strutting down the, the runway, which isn't, you know, I guess there are better or I guess there's worse options than that. But um, I think I think that, you know, I saw them live in Madison in about a three to four hundred 
uh, People Club, and they were electrifying. They were fantastic. I mean, if there's one thing about Luke Spiller, who's the singer for the Struts, is he has the crowd in the palm of his hand from the moment they play the first note till the till they walk off stage. And I guess my in my opinion he's really the forefront of the rock star of the new generation. And I yeah. like, like I said I get why they did what they did. I agree with you. I think they're they're such a great rock band. They should just keep moving forward with that. Unfortunately, you get people in your ear or you know you're trying to find like you said the quickest way to, 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 to make some money, they do stuff like that. I'd like to see bands like the Struts and bands like the ones that you've listed collaborate with other rock stars. Like I, I think if they collaborate with more of the, the classic rock stars, like if Slash does a, does a you know, guitar solo on a song and, they perform, and he performs with them at a couple of shows or Steven Tyler or Joe Perry or whoever it is, I think that will will bring more of a rock audience to the music because there is a percentage of rock fans out there that won't listen to anything new, no matter what you do. Yeah. And I think if, if they have some of those artists, those classic rock artists collaborate with some of these newer artists, I think that'll add some credibility and open some doors and open some ears for that classic rock fan that's completely shunned anything new. No, that would be cool, and I think that's a much better, you know, uh, sort of uh, way to do it because then if you have, like, a cameo, like Slash playing a guitar solo on a Strut song or something, then, you know, uh, I think that is a much – that would feel a lot more authentic to me. That feels like – and also, you know, there's, like – I had never thought of this, but I listened to the Rolling Stone podcast that Brian Hyatt does. He's a really good writer. Uh, he's written a lot of cover stories for them. But he was talking about how bands like My Chemical Romance, who I never got into because I was just older, but he was like, they didn't attract hardly any older fans. And I think, you know, whereas I'm sure these young bands don't want a room full of all older fans, they want to, you know, rock some people their own age too. But like, uh, I think it helps a band. I mean, go to a Stone show, go to a Kiss show, uh, go to an ACDC show, and there's kid people from six to seventy there. You know? Yeah i I bring my son to a lot of shows too. I've taken him to Metallica, Iron Maiden. You know, everyone from Butch. Awesome. Butch Walker to Foreigner, and, you know, he's into the rock music and some of his friends are. But I think that's really the audience that a lot of these bands want to focus on because, let's face it, you know, they're going to be able to grow. Their audience is going to grow with them. And, you know, that's how a band sustains a level of success is if, you know, the younger crowd connects with them. I interviewed my son. He was on a, a previous episode of the podcast, and I asked him what friends of his, what, what classmates of his are currently listening to, and he's a freshman in high school, and most of them listen to rap. And I, I, I connect that with when we were growing up in that era of, of rock music. There was a danger, there was a sense of danger with what we were listening to. Our parents didn't want, it, want us to listen to it. They thought it was like the devil. You know, when you think about Ozzy Osbourne, when you think about the Shout at the Devil album, you think about the Iron Maiden covers, Judas Priest. So there was some element of, my parents don't want me to listen to this. I want to listen to it more. And I think that's now with rap music. I think, you know, when the parents say, oh, turn that off, it just tells the kid to listen to it more. And I think right now with rock music, there's not that, rock star or outlaw i think there are some that can develop into it you know i think there are some who are just releasing new music can develop that persona but i've often said to friends in private conversations that if they have a publicist if a rock band has a publicist who's telling them what to say you have the wrong publicist you need a publicist that says okay you said that now we have to deal with it they have to be themselves 
And I think, you know, with, with the environment that we live in today, there's too much worry about making news or being on the wrong side of the news. I think if you're a rock star, be, up, be yourself, say what's on your mind. If you have protesters at your show, yeah, it may suck, but in the long run, it's a good thing for you in your career. You know what I mean? Authenticity is a good thing. I think another reason uh, maybe uh, young people, you know, rap hip-hop music so big with them is it comes down to this. Girls like to dance. Yes. And whereas a band like ACDC or Guns or like Appetite for Destruction, there are some danceable rhythms on there. I haven't heard a lot of rock you could dance to in a while. And people like to be around girls who are dancing. And so, you know, what are you going to put on? You know, it's like at parties and stuff. Like it's, uh, I think that's something too. So, yeah. But also, yeah, like you said, they're the rogues now, these hip hop guys. Good for them. They're, you know, uh, dating the hottest chicks and, you know, doing drugs and being famous. And, you know, that is, you know, the terrain uh, traditionally of, you know, some of these rock stars we've been talking about. My son has asked me before, you know, when, when, when do you think these bands will be huge? You know, dad, and, you, and I said, and I said the same thing when girls in your school start listening to them, once they start resonating with the female, the young female audience, like you said, you know, guys want to be around chicks. If chicks start going to the shows, girls start going to the shows, guys will follow and usually the female audience is more of a loyal audience in terms of once they like someone, they're into them for however long that run is. You know, I mean, there's, there's a reason why Bon Jovi still sells out stadiums, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a reason why, you know, band, you know, Aerosmith can still do what they do with, with how, what they did in the nineties and in, in the, in that decade with their, with their more, radio-friendly music. You know, there's a reason why Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison are packaged in a tour this year. You know, it's because it attracts that female audience, the female audience, and attracts guys. And, you know, then it's just, it's not, I, I hope it doesn't come across as, like, sexist to say that, but it's just the truth, you know? I mean, that's just the way the world works. I don't think it's sexist to say females set the trends. Uh, female fan, <laughs> fans set female fans set music trends. It's been that way for a long time. I agree. And one of the frustrating things is, is we you know kind of move forward with the conversation too. Is you mentioned the Black Crows doing a tour. I just mentioned the Def Leppard Motley Crue tour. Is the lack yeah. of new bands opening up those tours? That is kind of a bummer. Totally, I, and I get why they do it, right? Because. You know, the, what I read about the Def Leppard and Motley Crue guarantee for each show, which is $3 million for Crue and $2 million for Leopard, and I, you know, I think Poison's getting less than a million per show, and Joan Jett, I don't know what the numbers are for her, but that's a huge nut for a promoter to, to uh, you know, to cover. So I understand why they step in and they say, hey, you know, we've got to have another recognizable act to open up this to get people in the stadium's for a longer period of time, you know, the earlier they're there, you know, they leave at 11. If they get them in there by 4 o'clock, that's, you know, seven hours of alcohol sales, seven hours of merch sales, that's parking, that's all the stuff they need to do that. And I get it. But for someone like myself and yourself who loves new bands, seeing that and not having an up-and-coming or an unknown open up that tour is frustrating. And, and I don't think it helps the, the cause for rock music. Well, I think a band that really did that in a cool way was, uh, well, a couple of them. We'll think about the Stones when they came back. You know, they'd have Living Color, I think it was, on Steel Wheels. Um, uh, the band Living Color opened uh, as support act. You know, I remember later on, I think Lenny Kravitz and Stone Temple Pilots uh, are, and Smashing Pumpkins were a man, among the bands that opened for the Stones. Aerosmith in the 90s, you know, whether it was... Uh, having the crows open for them or another southern band here called uh brother kane open for them or uh you know aerosmith has been uh 
traditionally pretty cool about that too. So, um, you know, business has changed. The concert business changed. I mean, uh, these people, it, it is all numbers. That's just what it is. And I'm sure the people who are really experts on this, they just, the, the black and white of it is that's the way they have the best chance to be financially successful. And, you know, not everything that is successful is necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing, but, you know, I get it. Yeah, and Motley, in in defense, Motley Crue has brought the struts out and has brought other new bands out on previous tours before, you know, the the farewell tour that they had in 2014, I think it was, or 16. Um, But it is frustrating. The, The positive thing, though, is you are able to see bands like I saw Tyler Bryant and Temperance Movement over the summer for yeah. like sixteen bucks, and it was awesome. And I saw the Struts out in Madison for eighteen dollars. I saw Greta Van Fleet three times. The first time I paid fifteen. The second time I paid twenty-five. So you're able to see wow. these new upcoming bands for a relatively cheap price for tickets, right? That's great. However. The audience would rather go spend ten dollars on a cover or a ten dollar cover for a cover band than go see new original music that's cheap to go see and, and you got great music and great new bands in front of you. And I and that's another aspect too that's frustrating where people when they go out on a Friday, Saturday night, I, I don't know how it is in Alabama, but in Chicago the cover band scene is huge. And there's not a lot of room for original rock. Yeah, there's a lot of that here. Uh, um, yeah, I I just got a ticket to see Dirty Honey for 15 bucks here. So they're going to be here in January. Uh, so there's a lot of value in seeing these bands on the way up. And um, so I, you know, yeah, 15 bucks for Dirty Honey. I'll do that all all day. Greg Van Fleet. Um, it'll be really, because it, it's interesting with them because. Apparently they have like a whole second album ready to come out, I guess in early 2020. And uh, the cool thing about Greta Van Fleet is like, I'm a fan and I like their music and the people who like Greta Van Fleet, they're not like trying to be cool. Uh, They're not trying to be hip. They actually really like the music. It's, you know, it's not quote unquote cool like Greta Van Fleet. So, I, it's kind of like with the quote-unquote hair metal fans. It's like they really like that music. They're not doing it because they think it's hip or they're trying to impress whoever the cool person they know is. Like, um, I, I'll be interested to see if they do stretch out at all their sound. They are so good at playing that bluesy uh, classic rock thing. If they could put any twist on it, they are, to me, hands down, the best songwriters of all this. And, yeah, it's very much through the sort of uh, Zeppelin-y prism. Uh, there's some other things that are starting to get in there, a little across the steel of the Nash and stuff like that. But, um, but to me, yeah, they do have that sound, but they have by far the most hooks. They have by far like some of these bands that both you and I like, if I put it on, you know, if I, the girls go out of the room, but if I put Greta Van Fleet on, there's less of that. I, you know, and again, that's because songs are universal, but like, uh, I'll be interested to see if they can put any twist on their sound at all where it, and they're big, they are doing very good business. I, if they can put any of their own stamps onto it besides being able to write good songs, I think they will blow up uh, even more so, you know. that. But it's interesting. I think if they do another album that's straight up Zeppelin-y sounding, I, I wonder how many people will stick with them. I would, because I like it. I like chicken sandwiches. If a, I don't have to have one place restaurant where I get chicken sandwiches. I like this kind of rock and roll. 
but I just I don't know. I see them at being at a somewhat of a crossroads. I think they're still developing their sound. I, I read an article with Alex yeah. Lifeson, and he's a big fan of their music. And he just said, you know, let this band grow. Let them develop their own sound. Let them, you know, people compared Rush. They were the Canadian Led Zeppelin when their first record Amen. came out. Who would have thought they would turn into this progress, these progressive giants, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I also, yeah. but yeah. also frustrates me with Greta Van Fleet, too. There's a lot of things that frustrate me with the reaction of Greta Van Fleet. Number one, you almost have like these clickbait critics that are on YouTube that have to say the most outlandish things about them to get clicks, right? You know, they, they put it in their tag headline about Greta Van Fleet, this or that, and then they, people react because they say, oh, wow, really? And they click on it, and then they get the hits, right? So there's a lot of that in play. The other thing I don't understand, too, is rock bands have been craving a new rock band, right, that is blues-based, that plays well like Greta Van Fleet, and now we have it, and now people want to tear it down. Whether, yeah. you, whether you like them or not, okay, you need to root for them because if they can punch a hole through, you know, the, the, what controls music right now, if they can get, you know, and right now, like you said, they're doing very good business. If they can continue that, that means the bands that we've talked about earlier in the podcast, it benefits them. It benefits the Dirty Honeys. It benefits the Joyous Wolves, the Tyler Bryants, the Dorothys, the Bishop Guns. If without Greta Van Fleet, I don't know. I, I think I think we'll take a step back if it if it's not successful. If their new album, you know, doesn't resonate like it did their last album. I mean, I remember the buzz off of that record they released earlier or late in 2018 or early 2019. I remember that and. Uh, it's been a while since a rock album that's blues-based had that kind of buzz. My son wanted to go get it. My His friends wanted to come with and go to the record store. And that was awesome, you know? So whether you like them or not, whether you think they're a Led Zeppelin ripoff, whether you, you know, can't stand them, you need to root for them because they need to be successful. I think the only other band that is on that same type of trajectory with being popular is the Struts. I think, you know, but the you know, Struts have more of a pop element. You know, they have more of that Queen style, um, whereas Greta Van Fleet has that blues bass. But let's see what their sound develops into. I mean, I don't know. It's just basically a, you know, it's, it's a product of our environment. We want to build something up, and then we just want to tear it down. And people go on online. They make their comments. They, they, they try to compete with making the most ridiculous, insane comments. And then pretty soon it catches on and it becomes part of the narrative and it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and some like the, the, the outlet that's kind of most famous for trashing Greta Van Fleet is Pitchfork. And, you know, they'll give a good review to someone who sounds just like Michael Jackson or who sounds just like Waylon Jennings or who sounds just like or a whole lot like Elton John. Like, uh, and they'll also, you know, write big pieces on uh, Ariana Grande album. Like, you know, consider the source. And, you know, and I think, you know, I've said this before in interviews, Jay, but also I think a lot of people are straight up jealous. These are young kids who are making more than musicians and people who write about music make, you know, okay. And will ever make. So I think that is something that works against them. And another thing, if they dressed like Radiohead or the black keys or Wilco, I think there would be less, but you know, people, you know, and I think maybe if, they're, how should I say this? Um, if they were comprised of maybe a different sort of group of people, I think, you know, it, it's just, Greta Van Fleet is good, but they're not the kind of thing that a certain kind of outlet is going to push. 
Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they don't look like hip. They don't look like they're, um, they don't look like they're for everybody. Right. Let, 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 let's just be honest. I mean, they, they look like a rock band and you know, yeah. rock bands are not supposed to care what the band, you know, or what people say about the band. They're not supposed to care about what the critics think. Rock has never been about the critics choice. It's never been the critics choice. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have the, you know, there's this guy on YouTube who's got all these subscribers and everything. And I, I can't get past more than five minutes of his, of his reviews because it's just, it's not genuine. It's like I said before, it's about the clicks. It's about getting people on the page, saying the most outrageous and obnoxious things. And then all of a sudden, you know, people start to carry that thought through their, through their own narrative. And like I tell my son, you like what you like. If the song resonates with you and connects with you, you like it. Don't let other people tell you what to not like. Do your own thing. Yeah, for music, sure. Music is your own journey. It's it's very subjective to the fan. And I just, I don't know. I, I think that's what's going to be the biggest hurdle for rock music is how critics respond to it and how people at, like, you know, like Pitchfork or Enemy or whatever – Let's face it; they they have no interest in in helping rock music be great again. They don't. So, you know, it's got to find its own way. I think, like I, we talked about, it's coming, but we're not going to get any help from you know mainstream music outlets. No, I think what might be interesting though, and this really kind of uh, like, have you heard the new Ozzy Osbourne tracks that have come out? Uh, with um. On his own or with uh, Post Malone? With uh, their solo, they're Aussie, but they're with uh, Post Malone's producer, I guess, is yes. producing yes. it. And when yes. I heard the producer was producing Aussie's solo, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be terrible. But it, the, first, uh, the first single sounded like classic solo Aussie. It had that gothic kind of vibe. Um, the second one was Slash playing the lead guitar on it. I thought the the lyrics were a little undercooked, but um, I think if you had some pop producers working to help some of these rock bands craft their music, not make pop albums, but make rock albums, I think that could be really interesting. But, you know, they'd have to be a fan of the band because the money probably wouldn't be as good. But, like... Um, And I I just think it it, it just comes down to songs, Jay. And, you know, like even the 80s, like you're talking about, people love to bag on the 80s, although there's coming less of that. But uh, about, I don't know, four years ago or so, three years ago, I was writing uh, a story about the best one-hit wonder hair metal bands. And they're hard to find because almost all of them at a certain level, Jay had two hits. They had the rocker and the power ballad. So then you're, you know, think of how many genres there are where there's a band that only has one hit, you know? And I just think even the bands that people, you know, like say the Bullet Boys uh, are a band that, uh, you know, you know, people don't, they don't have the cred that Van Halen or Guns N' Roses do, and they weren't as good of a band. But, they have like a few songs that are badass, and I about ripped the volume knob off because they sound great, um, you know. And they recorded with Van Halen's producer Ted Templeman, but uh, I, I it, it just comes back. <laughs> and a lot of these songs, a lot of these uh, young rock bands, um, I, and and they're probably, I would think. The worst mistake they could make is to try to do something unnatural. The best, the best move they could make is go, hmm, Motley Crue. They're playing stadiums 28 years after, or 29 years after Too Fast for Love came out. I wonder why, because they have hooks, a lot of them. Uh, Def Leppard, why are they playing stadiums? The Stones, why do they still feel stadiums? Kiss, why do people still give a flip? It's because they have a lot of songs, man, and it's and I, you know, I guess producers probably helped shape a lot of this stuff too, Jay. 
you know, back then, and I don't know how active producers are in songwriting or A&R guys, you know, some of these bands are independent, so they don't have an A&R guy breathing down their neck going, hey, I don't hear a single, you know, and sometimes that's produced a really good song. When the A&R guy says, hey, this isn't good enough yet. We need more songs. So, uh, but uh, we're getting close, man, which is a hell of a lot better than we've been in a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I agree. What band do you think is an up-and-coming band that not a lot of people are talking about right now? Um, there's a couple. Um, I really like this band from uh, Birmingham, Alabama called Hollywood Horses. They have kind of a uh, grunge meets glam vibe, uh, but they have a good singer, a female singer who's also the drummer, the guitars and grooves are really good. The songs, the whole album is one of the most solid rock albums I've heard in a while. Um, uh, I think a band like Dirty Honey, if they take the song right, right now that EP has about half of the songs I'd like and about half of them like, uh, the singer's really good and that's why I'm not turning it off right now. But and it's probably better live, but they need an album where all eight songs are good. Uh, if they get that, I think they have a bigger, they have a better chance of crossing over into areas where Greta Van Fleet hadn't reached because uh, they're more kind of laid back looking. They, uh, you know, they don't sound uh, you can tell they like Guns N' Roses and the Black Crows and ACDC, Nero Smith, but you can't go, wow, that singer sounds just like Robert Plant when he goes, ooh, baby, baby. Uh, and, you know, there's not a lot of people who can sound like Robert Plant. I'm not dissing that. But um, another one, I can. there's a band called Sheer Mag from Philadelphia. Um, they look like punk rock, but they you can tell they love classic rock. The guitar player play some really melodic leads. The uh, female singer has a kind of a metallic uh, classic metal edge to her vocals. And this recent album was the first one where it was kind of mixed better, where the vocals weren't distorted kind of, or uh, higher up in the mix where they need to be. And I think if they, I think they have the potential to get to more of a uh, relatively household name. Um, you know, Tyler Bryant, I mean, all the road work he's done opening for GNR and ACDC and, uh, but there's, you know, there's a certain kind of, uh, this post black keys kind of scuzzy sound and bass thing that some of these rock bands fall into. And it just, it's, I'm like, oh God, this sounds like the Black Keys or a commercial that's trying to sound like the Black Keys, and which is was fine the first 50 times of it, but uh, Tyler Bryant is a very good singer, very good guitar player, very good live performer. If he got the right songs or, you know, got a co-writer, I think to co-write a little more, um, I guess those are a few that come to mind for me. Uh, oh, Classless Act. Um, I was going to ask you about band. them. I was going to ask you about that band on the show at the end here because you wrote about them in that article, and they haven't put anything out. No, no. They just recorded, I think, half of their – I guess they're doing a whole album. They just recorded six songs with Bob Rock, who people know from the Black Album and That's Dr. Huge. Feel Good. Uh, at Tommy Lee's studio, Atrium Studios. So um, uh, their singer, they had a really good front man. Their guitar players are, you know, kind of kind of uh, They uh, in uh, Slash's son uh, is a you know a damn solid hard rock drummer, and I think they have some potential. Um, you know, I think the challenge for them would be, you know, having a good answer for when they ask about Guns N' Roses. So, yeah, hell yeah, we like Guns N' Roses, but we also like these bands. Um, we also like Queen, or we also like uh, whatever. But 
Um, I think they have a huge upside because of the original songs I've heard from them. The singer is very good. They're anthemic. Um, and uh, if they're working with Bob Rock, you know they're going to sound big. And they're going to have a, a lot of big hooks, too, as well. You know, and Bob Rock's known yeah. for that. Uh, yeah, because I, I remember that's oh, yeah. one of the things I have down here in my notes is like, what's going on with class, like, Classless Act? Because I, I read the article in October of last year, and like I said, I haven't seen anything from them. I'm like, what's going on with this band? I hope they didn't break up. Uh, but no, it's good to hear that they're going to be probably doing something in 2020. There's also a couple other bands, too, that bring back that 80s type of feel music in more of a modern way. And I've had them both here on the New Music Spotlight. One of the bands is Kodiak, which is being really driven by Carmine Apiece. Oh, cool. You also have a band called Station that's out of New York that... Yeah. You know, so you do have that style of music coming back, too, as well. It's not essentially uh, blues-based stuff, but it's got the hooks. The songs are well-arranged. They have a great presentation. Two great bands to watch out for in 2020 are are Station and Kodiak. I I need to check out... uh... Kodiak, but uh, Station, I, they have some big hooks, man, and some uh, guitar stuff that, you know, definitely catches you, for sure. Yes, check them out. Uh, both great bands. Bon Jovi-esque, Journey-esque type of hooks with Station. Um, you hear a lot of Van Halen and Kodiak with uh, with mm. their songs. They've got in Kodiak and Station, phenomenal guitar players. Oh, man, I appreciate the recommendation. That sounds exciting. I'll definitely check out uh, Kodiak. Well, um, another... So, Jay. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I I was just going to mention one other band, too. Another band, which is out of Georgia. A band that was called Tuck Smith and the Lonely Hearts. Tuck Smith used to be the front man for a band called Biters, which is another Hmm. great band. They broke up, but... They're about ready to release a new album as well, their debut album. And the stuff that I've seen on YouTube sounds really cool. It's got kind of like kind of like the Biters. It's got kind of like a Thin Lizzy, Cheap Trick vibe to it. That's a good place. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things coming up in 2020. There's the new album. You know, Dorothy's working on a new album. Tyler Bryant, I think, will have some new material. And I've seen Tyler Bryant twice live. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, you know, Joy, Nick Reese mentioned that they're going to start recording a new album after the first of the year. Uh, Dirty Honey, I know when they get done with this tour with the Amazons, they might do some festivals and then start going to record towards the end of next year. I know Bishop Gunn's got a new album coming out. They're working on something new. Band that I absolutely love. That singer for Bishop Gunn is absolutely phenomenal. But there's a lot of stuff to be excited about in 2020. Yeah, he's talented, and I think Bishop Gunn, Gun, uh, Jay, um, you know, they've got to open for the Stones, as a couple of these other acts we've talked about have, I think, too. But uh, I think Bishop Gunn, an advantage they might have, man, is I can see them having a song that lands on country radio, whereas I can't – in country radio, in country music, it's still a very big – commercial force yes now uh would i say bishop gunn is a country band no i would say they're a southern rock band but that you're talking about an in that could be an in that would really help them explode and put them in bigger uh venues but yeah they're no doubt talented they they are writing some good songs and uh bishop gunn yeah watch out for them too definitely yeah, can't wait for their stuff. As far as new stuff, you know, I guess this is a classic band, but I think a really and reunion things have a way of energizing rock. Like when the Stones came back, I mean, it's it was energizing. When Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Uh, teamed up again. It was energizing to people who really liked the new rock. Um, Aerosmith, of course. I think, to me, you know, there's been noise, chatter about a new Guns N' Roses album with Axel, Slash, and Duff on it. 
and you know some of the leaks that have come out i guess of the some of Axel's stuff that didn't end up on Chinese democracy. A couple of them sound really damn good, better than anything on Chinese to my ears. But uh, if Guns N' Roses with the big, quote-unquote, big three could put out a new album in 2020, and it, if they do it, they're just going to drop it. I, I guarantee there's, I would doubt they'd do some big, we're going to release an album in three months deal. I would guess they'd just drop it as a surprise or they'd put some ticker on their website that goes off in 24 hours. You know, hey, this is the new album. But if GNR puts out a new album, and I know all the, I know Axel can still, you know, write melodies and lyrics, and I know Slash can still write guitar parts and so can Duff. I think that could be a big thing for these smaller bands too, these younger bands, because. Like you say, there's that familiarity, and there are some people, it just has a way of energizing things, and if one of the giants is out and about, and, you know, and I love the Rolling Stones, but, you know, if they put out an album like Voodoo Lounge, that's okay, but it got people excited, and it helped, you know, uh, keep rock feeling exciting, and I think if GNR puts out an album, and it's at least pretty good, and I think it would be if they played rock and roll, like without a bunch of weird stuff on it. But like, uh, I think that could really help some of these ascendant young bands too. They also bring out new supporting acts as well. I mean, Tyler Bryant's opened up yeah. for them. Greta Van Fleet's opened up for them. Bishop Gunn, I know, did a yeah. show or two with them. And that's, I like seeing that. I think that needs to be done more. I know, like I said before, I understand why it happens, but I think if you have an audience, a huge audience, 20, 30, 40,000 people coming into a show, and you're able to put a new band in front of 80% of capacity or 70% of capacity, it's still a good thing. Um, and I think, it, unfortunately, it's becoming harder and harder for new rock bands to do so or to get on these bills. So hopefully that changes. Hopefully Guns N' Roses, you know, Guns N' Roses won't have the pressure of Motley Crude has, you know, to fill to fill seats, right? I mean, Guns N' Roses will fill it on its own. It's not considered a big reunion tour. They're, I don't know what their what their their guarantee is, but it sounds like Guns N' Roses would probably be able to do that more so. I mean, I think if Motley Crue was out on their own, they'd be able to bring along whoever whoever they wanted to, but when they have these big acts, these these double headliners, you got to put butts in the seats, and unfortunately, the new rock bands kind of kind of get screwed. Yeah, because uh, until a certain point, they're um, not. You know, there's only so if you're playing a five, a three hundred or four hundred capacity club on your own headlining, you know, for a, a band that's playing a you know, what, a 50, 60,000 cap stadium or a 20 cap arena, you know, just unfortunately, you know, unless there's some management company connections, like it would surprise me at all if Dirty Honey is the support act on uh, the Crows tour next summer uh, because they have the same management company uh, and the same manager, in fact. So sometimes stuff like that will work in, uh, um, in favor of stuff lining up like we'd like it. I hope so that happens. Yeah, I hope that happens because I think they would be deserving. I, I'm looking forward to them to seeing the same tour that you're going to go to. I know they're they're doing a tour with the Amazons, which I, I really enjoy them too as well. So hopefully that works out for them. I would love to see that. Yeah, man. Well, uh, Jay, it's been quite nice talking some rock and roll new and uh, – vintage with you today man i appreciate you having me on absolutely come back anytime to talk new rock music you're always welcome anytime you've got a new band you know for me to check out i i always like being exposed to new stuff but thank you once again for doing this same here and thanks for uh those uh recommendations i'm gonna check them out uh jay enjoyed it man have a good one all right you too once again this is jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast we will talk again soon. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 